Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The end of the Edmonton Oilers season is here, and the questions that have been dogging the team the entire time remain. Why did the Oilers stumble this year and finish almost 30 points behind last season and out of the playoffs? Is this season or last season's run into the postseason the anomaly? Is this the most disappointing season in the Oilers' NHL history? Should anyone be fired as a result? What will the fan reaction be, particularly at the gates, where the Oilers are raising ticket prices for 2018-19? And will the Oilers finish cost Connor McDavid the Hart Trophy as NHL MVP? I can tell you the answer is yes. I'm Craig Ellingson. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Thursday, April 5th, 2018. I'm joined by Oilers beat writers Jim Matheson and Robert Tichkowski, to talk about these things and more as the regular season draws to a close. Gentlemen, is this season an anomaly for the Edmonton Oilers? It's a disappointing result out of the playoffs. A year ago, obviously, we were preparing for the playoffs. This year, we're not. I don't know how you can say it's an anomaly when they missed the playoffs all those other years. If they were always in the playoffs and then it went, suddenly went back to 70, then you could say this is a, an outlier. I don't know. I, I think, you know, and Rob would probably agree, this is, the orders are somewhere in between 103 and 74. You know, they should probably be in a race like Colorado, Jersey, and those teams for wild card positions, you know, in the 95-point range instead of uh, 74. And... They were never as good last year as 103-point season because nobody got hurt. The goalie was great. A lot of guys had their best years ever, and this year the goalie hasn't been as good. Lots of guys got hurt. Lots of guys didn't play as well, and so they fell back to being the Edmonton Oilers again. Yeah, so, I mean, last year they made the playoffs for the first time in, you know, 11 years, and it's been one playoff appearance in 12 years. So by definition, mm-hmm. that's the anomaly. Uh and now they're heading into a cap crunch, so you know how easy is it going to be for them to to dig their way out of this and make up the thirty points or so that they're going to need to to get back to where they uh, were before. It's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle. I don't expect them to be this bad next year, 
uh, but I don't know how good they'll be either. Who knows in today's NHL? I mean, Colorado had 48 points last year. They got twice as many points this year. You know, Jersey had 70 points last year. They got 95 or something now. Who knows in today's NHL? There's, I think, seven or eight teams that made the playoffs last year are going to miss the playoffs this year. That's an awful lot of teams. So, um, Did know. this happen in yesterday's NHL? Six-team NHL, only two teams missed. <laughs> Or the original, uh, or the original, okay. the original twenty-one. <laughs> I mean, this big of a swing. I mean, is it harder to do in a twenty-one team league or a seventeen team league or you know a twelve-team league? Well, I, you know, when thirty-one teams, it's pretty easy to have eight teams miss because you know there's a lot of teams that were maybe close before suddenly take over. I, you know, and there's only only three teams are guaranteed in each division to make the playoffs and if you've got seven or eight teams in that division there's a lot of teams you know are going to miss the playoffs so it's you know certainly before for 16 out of 21 teams are making the playoffs it's a little difficult to to uh drop that far that you missed the playoffs if you're a pretty good team the year before yeah i mean the, the, with the parity in the league now uh you know it's harder to make the playoffs and some good teams miss I wouldn't put the Oilers in that category necessarily this year, but you know you can make up ground and you can be you can be competitive uh, and still miss the playoffs, and that's that's what we see. It used to be, you know, twenty-one teams, sixteen would make it. You know, that means only five are out. So here, just about half the league is out. So you know, there are a lot of good teams that miss, so, and you can have a recovery year next season. But again, the Edmonton Oilers have to make up a lot of ground, not just a little bit. They didn't miss by five or six points; they missed by a, a ton. So. Now, is, is this the most disappointing season ever for the Oilers in their NHL history? I would say just because of the expectations. Like towards the end of the decade of darkness, you expected them to be a bad organization and a bad team. And when when they were bad, you weren't necessarily surprised. You were a bit disappointed, but it's what you came to expect from the Edmonton Oilers. After last year, you said, okay, you know, the rebuild is over. They have McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and you know, Cam Talbot and... It's the dawn of a new era. This is going to be a good team. There's going to be playoffs every year. They're going to attend for a Stanley Cup, and they drop that on you. Uh, so it was, it's devastating, I think, for the for the for the fan base, for the organization, for the players in the room. They expected much much more than than what they got this year, for sure. I agree with Rob. It's probably the worst when you go from, you know, how many play, how many media people around the league picked the orders to win the Western Conference and be in the Stanley Cup final this year. So we all got seduced by the 103 points last year in one game from being, you know, playing Nashville in the Western Conference Final. And I guess maybe you got the same thing in the East with Ottawa. They almost got to the Cup Final because they were in the third round of the playoffs. So, um, yeah, when you drop that many points in one season, that, when you drop 30 points in one season, that's not dropping five. That's two games. Or, that's dropping 15 games that you lost, that you won last year. So that's a lot of games. I guess, you know, I think about the question I just asked, is this the most disappointing season ever in the NHL history of the Oilers, which goes back almost 40 years now. Um, yeah, and thinking about this this team over time, um, and we're, you know, we're going back to the, obviously the 80s team, which was the first iteration of it. Of course it is. I mean, mm-hmm. had inst- they had been in the playoffs the entire decade of the 80s, up until you know they traded away everybody in the early '90s there, and they had to rejig things, and then we emerged in '97 and got back into being a team that sometimes made the playoffs and sometimes didn't. At least you know they were a competitive team. 
And of course, you know, follow us along into the 2000s, up to 2006. Uh, and of course, that was the last time they appeared in the playoffs until last year. And he changed the ownership. And, uh, you know, the team goes into the toilets and they draft a bunch of first overall picks. Oh, and now we have this 103-point season out of nowhere. Seemingly with Connor McDavid. Maybe it wasn't exactly out of nowhere, but now we're back down. So, of course, it's the most disappointing season. It's the most disappointing season except to the owner who's upping the ticket prices for next year. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how Daryl Cates, in, in his wisdom, can take a look at 103 points last year and then, and then 74 points and say, you know what, we're back to being crappy again, but I'm going to up the ticket prices by 2 3 4%. Uh, just because they can. And, you know, it's the same thing when the Oilers made the playoffs last year after all those years of missing the playoffs. Why he didn't say, you know what, I'm not upping the ticket prices the first round of the playoffs. I'm going to reward you people who came through thick and thin, and I'm not upping the ticket prices. Same as the regular season, and if we go past that, I'll probably up them, but not the first round. But he didn't. So Daryl Cates, in my mind, is pretty greedy. And... uh, I, this is the, the one year where he should have said, you know what, we're bad, back to being bad again. I, I'm not up in the ticket prices one cent. I'm just glad you people kept coming this year when we're one of the worst teams in the league again. And I know why you came, because you wanted to see Connor McDavid. Uh, but he should be thanking his lucky stars the Oilers won the, won the lottery. Because if the Oilers were, st- were in that 74-point, 80-point bracket without Connor McDavid, I'm not sure how many people would be coming. Uh, this year because the luster of a new building uh, has worn off when you go up from 103 to 74. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole the whole downward spiral, spiral of the organization began when he bought the team. Before that, you know, they were a small market team. They were, you know, $20 million below what the other teams were paying in salaries, and uh, they, would, they would grind their way into the playoffs. They, you know, they had some great battles with Dallas and, and Colorado. They got a couple of upsets. They were a competitive, fun-to-watch team. Uh, since he bought them, it's, it's been garbage. And, but the people still go, so credit to them. Like, if, if they're going to pay it, stick it to them. Like, I, I, I used to, I used to kind of resent it, and then I just, like, it's on the fans. If you don't want to go, don't go. Like, if, he, if he's going to hit you with a ticket price for a team that's missed the playoffs for 11 out of 12 years and you, and you pay it, and it's on you for being a sucker. Like I, I simply, you know, it's the market dictates the price, and if he can get away with it, then okay, do it. You know, I agree with you, but still, it doesn't. Make, <laughs> he's, he's still greedy, thinking he can do it, but and he can do it because he's got Connor McDavid on this team, and the fans, you know, would still want to see the best player in the league. Now you couldn't get away with that in in many other markets. Like Edmonton is a is a one horse town, so you can you know try this stuff in New York or. Even Vancouver, if the team's no good, they they don't go, and the pressure becomes, you know, it's on the organization to get better, or you're you're going to be playing to nine or ten or twelve thousand people. Here, it's sold out every night, so you can take your time with these thirteen-year uh, rebuilds. Well, you know, it's almost you know, in in one way it is too bad. Conor McDavid is on this team because we're not going to know because of the McDavid factor when it comes to putting bums in the seats. Because once upon a time. Mid '90s, and this, this team was having experience in the half-full buildings, maybe for different reasons. But was it though? I mean, Nin- Peter Popovich was not a very popular man. Ninety-three to ninety-six, they missed the playoffs, and it was because they're not a very good team. Yeah, and 
you know, then the fan, you could hear the coach in Rexall, yeah. you could hear Ronnie Lowe screaming at his guys, you know, back up, it's a, it's a four on one, you know, and he has an old goaltender, you know, spread out, you know, it's an old goaltender speaking, Ronnie Lowe, but you could actually hear the, there's so few people in the building, you'd hear the coach yelling at the, mm-hmm. at the players, and the, they were a bad team then. The thing is, though, is that the Oilers have been selling this building out throughout this decade of darkness we just came through before Connor McDavid. Um, before Daryl Cates bought the team, I mean, and that's probably a credit to the sales job, the marketing, whatever it is, from Cal Nichols and the like, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, to achieve that. And then there was the Canadian Assistance Plan and all that, and we had to reach the uh, what was it, thirteen thousand season ticket, fourteen thousand mm-hmm. season ticket level in order to get some money. Totally different times, right? Um, here we are today with a salary cap. The orders spend to the cap. Daryl Cates owns the team. They're bu- they built a brand new arena and a huge development around it. So obviously the economics have changed compared to you know the turn of the century. But at the same time, I can't help but think about that em- half empty building. I went to a game against when I was you know younger with a lot more hair and fewer wrinkles. You know the Tampa Bay Lightning came to town and. I remember sitting there and going, wow, the ends of this arena are completely empty. I, had, I hadn't experienced that because just five years before they were had won a Stanley Cup. I mean, it's understandable. Like you said, they traded everybody away. Pocklington owned the team. The threat of moving the team to Houston and all that jazz. Obviously, there's a, a bunch of different factors that sour a fan base on a team, and that was a result of it. But, you know, here, but the, I guess we're talking about different things. The team is, you know had a disappointing season. They're 30 points behind where they were last year. They were in the playoffs last year and all that. But, you know, but then, like you say, the orders have raised ticket prices. I've heard 7% in some areas along those lines. That's a lot of money. I know how much a pair of tickets in the upper, goal, upper bowl goes for. It's more than 2500 bucks per seat per season. That's up there. Never mind what's down below. If this building was in the middle of nowhere like Ottawa's building, and the orders were this bad, they, they wouldn't be going. They wouldn't be driving that far to go watch the team play. But, you know, Rexall was, you know, you know, it was for some people in the West End or whatever, it was a long way away but not so long away that you couldn't get there. And now it's downtown. So, you know, it's, it doesn't take you so long to get to the game. So they're lucky that way. But you're right. Uh, the fan here, he wants to go watch hockey no matter what. But when they're up, the ticket prices significantly I'm sure some people up sitting in the upper bowls they're not going to be be buying not if if you can't give the tickets away even if you buy them can't sell them Coming back to this season, you know, obviously we're at the end. Is anybody going to get fired because of this season? Anybody in the coaching staff or management? Uh, I don't think the head coach will get fired. I don't think the general manager is going to get fired. I think, you know, if anybody gets fired, it'll be the assistant coaches or one of, as last year when Mike Kitchen got fired in Chicago 
and Joel Quenville, um was his longtime friend and on the staff and I'm not so sure this was, that was Joel's idea that was higher up the food chain and somebody had to be sacrificed and it was an assistant coach and I think I think the assistant coach's contracts are over at the end of this year so it's not like they'd be carrying anybody longer the head coach's got a five-year contract but I think the assistant's only got three years so I guess we'll we'll wait and see but when your special teams are as bad as the owner's special teams have been this year uh, especially I think the, we, we talked ad nauseum about the penalty kill but it's getting better uh, the power play has been bad pretty much all year yeah. and uh, that's not good if you're 31st in the power play and you've got the best player in the league yeah, you can't just stand pat in the summer. Like people, people want to see a couple of heads roll, and they'll they'll get that. You have to f- sacrifice somebody when you're. The season's been this disappointing, and and special teams have been that disappointing. So, yeah, definitely. And like Matty said, if they're you don't even have to fire him, you just don't renew him, and then there's your there's your change. So yeah, I, I would imagine, and justifiably so. Like maybe get some fresh blood in here because uh, the special teams are. Power plays kind of stems from the fact they don't have a puck-moving defenseman, the quarterback on the power play, which a lot of the problems stem from on this team. But, yeah, that's uh, they're, they're definitely expecting to see some sort of movement on the coaching staff uh, this summer for sure. I mean, and, you know, we've been talking about this all season, of course, but, you know, because the power play and the penalty kill were both, you know, very a lot better last year than they were this year, and the power play was, was it not in the top five of the league? Yeah. And now it's its last place. Yep. Basically the same outside of not having Jordan Everly on this on the uh, roster, basically the same cast of characters. But Oscar Clefbaum had a good year last year, definitely was not the same player this year. He was your quarterback on the power play mm-hmm. on defense. Um so of course when Clefbaum's not playing up to the level he played last year, things aren't gonna work out. And you know, on and on. So how much of it, though, should it be on the players? I mean, obviously, if players are tuning out or something's not working on the coaching side, it's easier to change out the coach than it is to change out a whole bunch of players, right? It's always that way. I think it's more systems-oriented on the uh, on the penalty kill than it is on a power play. I think you get, it becomes pretty creative with offensive players on a power play. You know, they move around, they throw the puck around, they get the puck at the net. Defensively, you have to be in the right areas and, and do your job. Um, I always fall back on the Ken Hitchcock theory when he played junior. One pass, one shot. One pass, one shot, if, you can't, if you're not doing anything on the power play. The orders still throw it around way too often before they shoot because they're worried that it's going to get blocked and whatever. You know, if it gets blocked, so what? Chase it down, get it back again. You know, what's the big deal? I mean... Uh, their power play is you, you did say they don't have a power play quarterback I don't think any team in the league can can run their power play just through the forwards I don't if you have no threat from the the defense to shoot the puck and score the score from back there uh, it becomes easier to to uh, worry about you know, on the on the penalty kill for a team yeah you can tell by looking at the power play in, in 30 seconds what's wrong with it they just pass it around the perimeter forever and ever and ever and everybody's afraid to shoot and the teams just let you you know they, they you know the Oilers are talking about we had great puck movement well they let you have great puck movement because there was never a threat that you were going to do anything but pass it around the outside of the zone and that goes on forever and ever what, what game was that where I was they had a <laughs> six on four with 90 seconds to go in a one goal game they gained the zone and they passed it 14 times before they took a shot 
and and it was just a little muff from in close that, that accomplished nothing. Like, there's your problem. Shoot the puck. It's but like when you pull the goalie when you pull the goalie with twenty seconds left, you win the draw, you hammer it at the net, and you get chances all the time. That's that's where those goals come from. That's not a coaching thing though. That's the players right. yeah. uh, being stubborn, saying we can pass the puck, we can pass the puck, and they're afraid something's gonna bad happen instead of something good's gonna happen and it's it always works as Rob says, if you just somehow get the puck into the into the blue paint area, something good happens. You're gonna get more players out there than the other team's got. Well, you're not even trying to score from that. You just get it past the guy yeah. who's coming out to block the yeah. shot, and then then it's in then it's in the slot. You outnumber them. You get a deflection, a rebound, a bad goal, a screen. That's how goals are scored. They always want to set up the beautiful backdoor one timer, which happens, you know, you know, once every six or seven games. <laughs> what do they have? Three power play goals in their last 24 road games. Yeah, that's and 29 power play goals in 80 games. That's like one every. You know, three games almost. Yeah, one out of every three games. You can't get a power play goal. I mean, I mean, Buffalo's got forty-four. It's the worst team in the league. Vegas has got almost twice as many power play goals, fifty-three or something. They've got twenty-nine. With like I said, Drysaitel and Connor McDavid on the power play. Now Connor McDavid is comfortably ahead in the Art Ross NHL scoring race with a couple of games for the orders to go. Most teams have a couple of games left. But is he the MVP? I know we've been talking about this recently because McDavid went on a scoring tear to, you know, jump into the league, into the lead. And um but still, orders well are not making the playoffs. And there are certainly other deserving players to be considered for the award including Taylor Hall, former Oiler in New Jersey. And uh, as we sit here right now, the New, Jer- New Jersey Devils and the Colorado Avalanche, who have been pulled high up the standings by Nathan McKinnon this year, they're both in a playoff position. So is McDavid sliding under the heart race? Yes. Yes. I don't <laughs> think – I think he'd be in the top five. He'd still be in the top five voting because there's five names you have to put on the list. Um, you know, and I, I, I think right now the voters and there's 170 some are probably looking at Hall versus McKinnon because both those teams were a long way out of the playoffs last year, and McKinnon is is slowed down the last couple of weeks too in terms of his points and what he's done. But every game Taylor Hall gets a couple of points. He gets a point every game, you know, so seemingly, uh, and he's 42 points ahead of Nico Hischier the Jersey rookie in terms of the scoring. So, and Taylor and and in, in Connor McDavid's stead, he's he's figures in you know over forty percent of the older goals. So that's a plus for him too. But this may be one of those times where the scoring champion in the league, who usually gets is no worse than second in the MVP, won't be because the orders are so far out of the playoffs. And I know there's. Tons of people in this city still are banging the drum for him, and I, and I think he's obviously the most valuable player in the Oilers uh, by lots. But there are other players in the league that that are very valuable to, to their teams too, with where they've taken them from this year. And, and in Jersey's case too, I mean, even their number one goaltender Corey Schneider has not played very well this year, and they're going with Keith Kincaid in, in as the 
goalie and they're still winning games. And like I said, Taylor Hall's getting points every game. Yeah, I think it's pretty hard to make a case that you should win the Hart Trophy when you've elevated your team from 31st to 25th. I mean, that's just, it's not enough. Like, he's, he's the, you know, he and Crosby, you know, one, two, the best players in the game. There's no question about it. But by the definition of the trophy and everything else that goes with it, you know, I don't think your team necessarily has to make the playoffs, but I don't think your team can be this, this bottom feeder, you know, with the worst special teams in the league and, 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 and all the rest of it. You know, there's no question he's an incredible player. He's like I said, he's one two with Crosby. Kopitar's had a great year too. Just his his overall numbers are, are overwhelming. What he's done on all special teams, penalty kill, power play, you know, just the impact as a two way player he has on his team. There's <clears throat> in a lot of other years, maybe maybe you could make a case for him, but there's some legitimate guys this year that that just would win it outright, just based on what they've done. I think the only way Connor McDavid will win the MVP this year is if he's second on everybody's ballot, and and other teams can't decide whether it's Kopitar, McKinnon, or Hall, and they split, they fracture that vote. And but but uh, Connor's second on everybody's ballot, and the second ballots add up, and he gets lots of lots of yeah. votes myself. But I because I, I can't put my my self in the voting head of the other 170 people that are going to be voting as to how they want to go. It is the professional hockey writers that vote for the Hart Trophy? Yes, it is. The yeah. only ones that aren't are the um, the Coach of the Year and the Vezina. Um, and Vezina is voted on by the general managers and the coach by the broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Because I can't imagine Peter Shirelli wants Taylor Hall to win the Hart Trophy. Mm-hmm. They might be uh, taking you guys aside and saying, hey, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, but I, I, I bring that up for a reason because obviously, you know, the Taylor Hall for the Adam Larson trade will resonate for a very long time still until the Oilers, you know, make the playoffs on the regular. And Adam Larson, you know, to be fair to him, he is obviously a good defenseman. He's a shutdown, very good shutdown defenseman. Yeah. And he plays a nasty old style stick in the butt in your back kind of guy he's salt of the earth hard plays hard every night but he's not you know going to get you a lot of points and stuff like that so and you know taylor hall might be one of those one-offs where he just has an unbelievable season and wins the heart trophy and then after that he's just another a very good player but not the mvp in the league so it's just a little too close to home when it's only been a couple of years since he got traded and yeah. he's in the running for the for the MVP. And you know, that's all that's all Shirley needs is for Taylor Hall to win the heart and Boston Bruins to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup. That'd be just like the Well, Boston Bruins versus the Dallas Stars and Tyler Tyler Sagan wins the Con Smythe. <laughs> that would be your or Phil Kessel can well, I guess Boston versus Pittsburgh. What well, never mind. We could go on and on with that. But yeah, I mean I'll wrap it up by going, you know, we talk about anomalies and you know, well, I guess we'll, we always have to wait and see until next year to see, you know, what's what. Or are, are we experiencing, you know, global warming and climate change in the NHL as well, where we have all these drastic events? You know, the owners make the playoffs one year with 100 plus points, and then they're back down to where they are. Or is that, you know, what's the anomaly? So I don't know. I just concerned that they're they're in a major cap situation going into next year. They have almost 33 million dollars tied up in four guys. And one of them's Lucic. So, I mean, you have to build the rest of your team on, on, on half that cap. So you're not going to be bringing in 
six million dollar winger to play with Connor McDavid. You're not going to be bringing in a six or seven million dollar number one defenseman. All of those positions are going to have to be filled from within on an organization that doesn't do a whole lot of filling from within. So, I mean, we'll see. Summer, a lot of things can happen in the summer. Maybe he can trade for a, you know, a Hart Trophy candidate by giving up a stay-at-home defenseman. You never know. Well, what he should be doing and what the whole management should be doing is what Las Vegas did last year. Scour the rosters of the entire teams and find players who are in... In a, on a good team and not playing as much as they probably should be playing and then get them to your team and play them with better people and they turn out to be Jonathan Marchessault or uh, Riley Smith or Eric Halla or somebody yeah. like that and, and do your homework that way. Try to find guys on other teams that are maybe group six free agents and not don't, don't make a ton of money where they are and give them a couple of million dollars and bring them in, you know. I don't think the orders this summer can, as, as Rob says, they can't go out and, and sign James Van Riemsdyk and give him yeah. six million because they don't have six million bucks. But they could probably sign Thomas Vanek at two and a half and say, "You want to play here for one year, and you're going to play in the top six. You're either playing with Drysdale or you're playing with McDavid, and that would buy some time for somebody else to to get into the picture." So he, he, they've got. Let's put it this way. They don't have a lot of, of high-end prospects coming. You can say, oh, this guy will be in the team. There's no guarantee Yamamoto can, mm-hmm. can do, what he, do what he did in the, in the preseason last year, and suddenly he's, he's a top-six player. Tyler Benson's going to play in the minors next year. they got some, some juniors they've signed you know, to be in the minors next year, but they're not NHL players. So he's, they've got some major work to do this summer to reshape this team because they can't just fall back on – Connor, you do it. You know, I mean, he, he needs a better sporting cast in his top in the top six. Uh, if if Milan doesn't rebound after this horrendous offensive season and and isn't a, a second line left wing, if Nugent Hopkins is the first line left wing, then um, I don't know where they're finding the other players. Well, and I would imagine just like any general manager, any team in the league. You're hoping that, of course, the players you have now somehow, some way, you know, develop and prosper. Well, Jujar Cairo obviously was, you know, a year ago, he wasn't playing every day in the playoffs. He would be now. The problem is they've got the orders have a slew of third and fourth line players. They don't have very many top six players. And And their best top six players are all centers. You know, if Lucic can't rebound, after this year and become a, a, you know, at least a second-line left wing, then they've got three centers. How patient can they be with Drake Kajula and Anton Slepeshev? And, you know, Pugliarvi, maybe he's a second-line right winger next year. He's not a first-line right winger. So, I, you know, I, I don't know where they're gonna, how they're going to improve things. But, you know, I guess, if, you know, you always say it's from goal on out. You know, if Cam Talbot plays like last year's Cam Talbot, then they'll still win lots of games, even though they don't have the offense to to uh, to win the games four three. And Talbot thinks this season's the outlier, right? Yeah, and I hope it is because you know he's a he's a good National Hockey League goalie. Uh, last year he was fourth in the Vezina voting, and this year is you know save percentage is 
is 907 in a league where 917 to 920 is what you need to be. So that has to be a lot better. You know, the defense he's played behind all year hasn't been very good though. So it's more like the defense that we saw all those years when the orders were missing the playoffs. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon. <laughs>